Hi, I'm Paul Haverschrud, host of The Cost of Living. It's a show about money and how it shapes our lives. In big ways, like why inflation could get worse if we all make more money. Here's the hard truth in all of this. Workers are going to have to eat that real wage loss. And small ways, like what's the fastest way to order fast food? That first Big Mac that comes out of the kitchen is going to the drive-thru. Check out The Cost of Living. We're on CBC Listen or wherever you get podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. You know, there aren't a lot of artists whose work and voice immediately strike you with clarity and force. The director, Charles Officer, was one of those artists. Earlier this month, Charles Officer died. Today on the podcast, we celebrate his vision and how he helped the next generation of filmmakers. I'm Alameen Abdul-Mahmoud. This is Commotion. Listen, as we close out the year, we wanted to celebrate Charles Officer's life and the art that he left us. Charles was a director. He was one of this country's most thoughtful and passionate creators. He was 48 years old when he died, and that is so sad. It is so sad because he'd already done so much, but every time you heard him speak, you could just tell that he had so much more to say. Charles regularly used his work to shine a light on the black Canadian experience. His 2008 debut was a movie called Nurse Fighter Boy, and he was nominated for 10 Genie Awards. And then from there, he went on to do so much more. He directed movies, he directed documentaries, he directed TV shows, including 2020's Aquila's Escape and the critically acclaimed CBC show The Porter. But the most incredible thing about his career, and ask anybody who has worked with him, They'll tell you that the biggest accomplishment of all was that Charles Officer achieved all those things, managed to, managed to achieve all of those things while making every black creative that he encountered feel valued and seen. So here on Commotion, we wanted to look back on Charles Officer's film legacy with Amanda Paris, Motion, and RT, three generations of black Canadian filmmakers who collaborated with Charles and were also influenced by his work. We started the conversation by remembering a younger Charles Officer on a very different professional trajectory, one driven by his very first passion, hockey. I'm going to let Amanda Paris tell you about it. I mean, like you said, it was his first passion. This was the thing that I think started him off on the path of understanding what it meant to be disciplined, what it meant to focus your energy. Mm. He was very serious about it. Um, he moved all the way to the UK to play professionally before being drafted to the Calgary Flames. Um, and then he got injured. And he's talked about that injury as something that was not just physical, but you know, sort of like this moment that maybe at a time in his life when he was feeling kind of isolated and feeling like he wasn't connected to community. He was living in Utah at the time mm. and not sure if this was the right path for him. This injury happens that changes everything. Um, and it's at that moment that he decides to go, go to OCAD University for graphic design, which is the beginning of his sort of artistic leanings. Mm -hmm. um, but I think I always think about it as this fascinating. I didn't know him at the time. He, you know, I kind of knew about it in retrospect as he told me about that, that, that period of his life. But I feel like it primed him in so many particular ways for what is required to be a filmmaker. You know, there's so much mm. sacrifice that is necessary. There's so much discipline. Um, this idea of like teamwork, the amount of people that it takes to make something and to achieve something. Um, and then there's just also I just have these like really corny moments and memories when he was 
when I, one of the many ways that we worked together was he directed me as an actor in a play that Motion wrote called Anima Spot. And when you do something that he really liked, he'd go, yes. And he'd hold up his fist and he'd like <laughs> shake it. Kind of like how you'd see like a coach at a basketball game do, or like if you've just scored a goal in a hockey game, like yes. just shake it and be like, yes. And you'd feel this like sense of achievement as if you just won the game. You know, you're like, okay, let me try to hold on to that. Let me do that again as an actor. I got it. That's the thing, you know? And so this sort of like weird energy that comes with sports, I feel like he brought it to his artistic endeavors as well in this really beautiful way. I love that image because I I think of Charles Office's work as like deeply spiritual, deeply cerebral in some ways. And then you're giving us this image of like him on set of just like (laughs) pumping his fist like a hockey coach. that's I love that continuity. Actually, I love that imagery. Uh, RT, I want to talk about your relationship with Charles uh, because that relationship goes back decades. In fact, I heard that in the mid two thousands, you and Charles would meet up with other aspiring creatives to talk and to hope and to dream. Can you just talk a little bit about that time? What do you remember about Charles Officer from that time? Yeah, I mean, you know, we really embraced that, and 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 Charles was part of that collective. And as a director. You don't get to work with other directors, which is, you know, which is which was so amazing about you know the future for us. Um, directors are very siloed, mm-hmm. and um, he was, he, you know, and I think sometimes directors get very like they got to hold on to the secret, like they don't want to let people know how they work or how they do things. Right. Charles was like, sometimes I don't know, man. This is just <laughs> what I. This is just what I thought of, and yeah. I hope it works. And that attitude. Um, really helped me to look at um, how I approach things differently. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, art is not something to be guarded. It's something to be shared. And um, mm-hmm. I remember that vividly, you know, that that was my intro to him anyways. Yeah. Okay, so let's return to Charles's work. Charles made his directorial debut with short hymn Silent War in 2002, but it was Nurse Fighter Boy in 2008 that really got him buzzing. That movie centered on the relationship between a single mom nurse, a troubled boxer, and a boy, the nurse's son. Here's a clip. You always wanted to be a nurse? The nurses in my family forever. I don't want you fighting. The next time someone tries to hurt you, fight back. Everybody has got to fight for something. The trick is find out what's worth fighting for. That is a moment from Nurse Fighter Boy from the filmmaker Charles Officer. Motion, what do you love about this film from Charles? Well, I love that, first of all, he's. it shows, you know, like a classic uh, development of an amazing, amazing storyteller mm-hmm. who is Charles and, you know, how he was able to bring together the concept of the nurturer, the protector with the mm-hmm. youth or the rebirth of, of these um, archetypes, mm-hmm. um, you know, his work. Let's start with looking at Nurse Fighter Boy, really bringing out the dualities, beauty um, and brutality, life and death, mm. coming of age and mm. crossing over, reinvention and redemption. And and within this, you know, this very grounded story, he's also bringing out the elements of magic and spirituality, um, cultural touchstones, pulling from um, Africa, Jamaica, and and tr- mm. and uh, you know diasporic traditions, and the diaspora being reborn in this young boy who can be boy and conjure, you know, conjure spirits and mm. pray at the same time. And I love the fact that he is always able to bring these holistic looks at his um, characters and um, 
And what, what I really love is also that it crosses dimension in a way that really feels personal as well as real, emotional and poetic, just as Charles and his work is. It's, uh, it's really worth noting um, for folks listening that Charles didn't just make feature films. He also did documentaries like Mighty Jerome about track and field pioneer Harry Jerome, The Stone Thrower on CFL legend Chuck Ailey, and this one on journalist Desmond Cole. Public officials who get asked to talk about things like this will tell you that there is no systemic racism in policing because they haven't seen enough evidence yet. What is this perfect situation, this perfect victim that everybody needs before it's murder in the first degree? What is this scenario that we're all waiting for? The problem is that the victims are the wrong color and often the wrong gender. They are not seen as ever possibly being in crisis. They are always seen as the threat. That is a clip from The Skin We're In. That's a CBC documentary that centers on award-winning writer Desmond Cole's journey from journalist to activist. I'm looking back on Charles Officer's film legacy with three filmmakers who knew him, Amanda Paris, Motion, and RT. Amanda, what side of Charles Officer do you see showing up in this particular film? Yeah, I mean, we've talked so much about Charles as like an artist, the poetry in his film. I feel like this was one of the most direct versions of that that I've ever seen him do. You know, it was where he was being completely unapologetic about really making sure that you understood what this was about and who this was for as well, too. Mm. I think um, choosing to do this film at the time that he did it as well, too, the time what was happening in the world made it feel like this was a political statement. But even in the midst of all of that and wanting to make sure that all of that was clear, there's something still really intimate about it. You know, that the intimacy that he has in all of his work came out in this, particularly in the way that I felt like he was attempting to be protective of the main subject, which is Desmond Cole, who at that time was so public facing and was and was, you know, being hit with so much vitriol, so many attacks, was really on the front lines of so much of the the movement that was happening against anti-Black racism um, in this country. And there was this, you know, this process that he talked very publicly about after the film was released of, you know, what to choose in terms of selecting what would stay in the film and what would be removed. And part of that process, which every director goes through, was also about thinking about what would be the best for Desmond, what would be best for this person who is out there every single day. And and this film is not the beginning and the end of their career. Like This is something that is going to, is this going to help them and, and amplify them and showcase them in a way that helps to make the case and the movement that they're fighting for even stronger. Mm. Um, and he was also protective of the audience that he was making it for. He spoke very publicly about, you know, talking to the CBC about this film mm-hmm. and them saying, you know, we think this might be a bit too much for our mainline audiences. Can you walk a few things back? Can you handhold? Can you do these different things? And he's like, what audience are you talking about? Cause that's not the audience I'm thinking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to interview him um, on a panel for TIFF about this film, him and Desmond. And I was rereading the interview notes that I made. And one thing that he said really stood out. He said, you know, everyone talks about you shouldn't preach to the choir, but I think the choir needs to be taken care of. Mm. And he taught, uh, I'll say it exactly. He says the choir needs to be looked after too. They need to be really supported and they need to be fueled with energy to keep singing and they can't be forgotten. And I love that. Oh my God. Wow. 
Can I just say, it's uplifting to me, but also not a surprise, that the theme that is emerging kind of organically in this conversation is the the, the theme of holding on to your vision, holding on to your vision and defending it fiercely, mm-hmm. because that is what comes across from Charles Office's work. But also, I got to say, Amanda, you're you're the youngest filmmaker in this particular group chat. And I bring that up because collaborations between between creatives can sometimes be a little bit prickly, can be a little bit challenging, much less collaborations between creatives from different generations. But you've said that Charles's approach to working with other younger creatives is exactly what made him so special. How did he navigate the idea of collaborating with other uh, creatives? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the openness that we've talked about, the generosity to just like share everything, share advice is like the two things that I think stand out the most. Mm. The last project we worked on together was when he directed my play, The Death News, the short play for 21 Black Futures. And what a time that was, you know, it was 2020, there was a pandemic, Mm. I was pregnant um, and I was writing this, a lot going on. And I decided to write this meditation on death. And, you know, as part of the process of writing it, you know, the, the, the concept of the play was this like near future world where black folks pre-write their obituaries because they know that they, the chances of them dying early are more likely. Mm-hmm. And I decided to do the same as part of my process and maybe not a great idea to do when you're pregnant, but I was also, you know, Oof. going through all these complications. It was very emotional. And so when um, the Obsidian team told me that Charles had said he wanted to direct it, I just felt so much relief because I knew that it was going to somebody who would be open to my ideas, who would be open to collaborating with me, wouldn't just like take it and run um, and would also treat it with so much sacredness and care. Hmm. But the other thing that was really beautiful about Charles and that I observed during this particular experience is that when he was present, he was 125% there. He was in the moment with you. He was not distracted. He was not disengaged. He wasn't like, oh, I have this other bigger thing that I've got to be thinking about. Hmm. He was here in this process, in this moment. And, you know, he also made you feel like you were so special for because he was so present and it wasn't until later that I realized oh you're just like that with everybody you're just like that with every single thing that you work on okay and I, I'm, I'm still amazed at how many people he did that with like as he after he passed and just seeing all of the messages and the tributes that have come through I I'm just still as somebody who felt like they knew him and knew a lot about him and even worked with him in the mentorship capacity, like ran a mentorship program that he was part of twice. Mm-hmm. I still had no idea, no mm-hmm. idea how much he was doing for so many folks. That sounds like such a beautiful way to just be connected and in community with the people that you want to support. And the next voice is that you want to uplift. Hey, I'm journalist Sam Sanders. I'm poet Saeed Jones. And I'm producer Zach Stafford. And we are the hosts of a podcast called Vibe Check. On Vibe Check, we talk about everything. News, culture, and entertainment, and how it all feels. That's right. We talk about any and everything on our show, from real-life issues like grief to music and movie critiques, and that barely scratches the surface. Yes, indeed. And it doesn't stop there. We have got a lot to say. So join our group chat, Come to Life. Follow and listen to Vibe Check wherever you get your podcasts. If folks are just joining us, my name is Elamine Abdul Mahmoud. This is Commotion, and on today's podcast, we're looking back on Charles Officer's legacy with Amanda Paris, Motion, and RT. Okay, we're going to talk about a film that Motion actually co-wrote with Charles. Take a listen to this. I remember a resourceful boy 
loyal and a lot less political. What's happening to this boy, Akira? Evolution. I'm doing this my way. That is a clip from Akila's Escape. That's that's a 2020 crime drama that centers on the character Akila, played by the actor and musician Saul Williams, and the role of intergenerational violence and trauma that played in his journey to manhood. Motion, so much of Charles's work incorporated music and hip-hop into its themes. You're a veteran MC, you're a musician yourself. What do you think Charles understood about music and maybe hip-hop that other filmmakers didn't? Well, you know, so as some would know, Charles was a selector straight. He literally mm-hmm. a selector, mm-hmm. tenement yard selector, look it up, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, his AKA. And, you know, we always used to joke how before we even met each other, knew, knew each other personally, while I was watching Nurse Fighter Boy or or getting introduced to his 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 films, he he had come up listening to my voice um, with the Master Plan Hip Hop Radio mm-hmm. Show. So we were introduced to each other as voices before we were we we had that fateful meeting that said, okay, y'all have to work together, and so many things happened after that. Yeah. And if you watch any of his films, um, the roots reggae in Nurse Fighter Boy, um, mm. the Saul Williams and Robert Del Naja of Massive Attack collabo and Akilah's Escape soundtrack and score, which he was so excited about. So, so excited about when that was coming coming to fruition. Mm. And I know from his conversations, he always kept his eye and his ear out for what was now and next. Mm-hmm. So thinking of ways how he could spotlight them in his work, like Vic Mensa and Rich Kid and Akilah's Escape, placements for a Junior T, the musician in 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 various um, um his various tracks featuring artists like visual artists like Elixir or Beto Art on television, MCs Cardinal and the late King Rain also in yes. TV series. So there was uh, he was always talking about oh this this young artist that he'd meet in this neighborhood or in this community and what he's going what he wants to do with them or how he wants to incorporate them and give them the the bigger screen or the bigger stage and something. Uh, We don't have a lot of time left, but RT, I just want to talk about The Porter, which was one of the Mm -hmm. last uh, projects that Charles Officer worked on. The last thing that you, you know, one of the last things that he put out in the world. This is a TV series focused on the story of Canada's black train porters and the role that they played in establishing rights for all the workers um, in this country. You worked on that project. What was that experience like for you? Uh, It it was, uh, it was, you know, I would say, the highlight of my creative career mm. to to collaborate with Charles on this. He welcomed me into the collaboration. He had been working on the on the project for some time. Again, no ego, understanding that the the project is the baby. Mm. And now we have to we gotta raise this baby together. So it's not no it it doesn't matter now what he would do if he was alone or what I would do when we were alone. And we would have our opportunities to do that in our separate episodes. But as right. we built the world together, it's it was the, the focus of this community, yeah. um, these people and their stories. And um, it was, you know, his openness was incredible in that. And I will never forget it. It's something that I now will walk forward and try to strive to to take forward, you know, his generosity yeah. to people that I can help um, in the future. So 
I think there's going to be some folks listening to this podcast who are going to be inspired to watch something that Charles Officer made, one of his films for the first time, maybe. So before we go, just maybe 30 seconds to each of you, I'd like you to recommend one film that people should start their Charles Officer film journey with. Uh, maybe RT, I'll start with you. I mean, you know, I, I got to go with Nurse Fighter Boy. Um, it's all right there. You know, everything yeah. that Charles stood for um, and uh, and the magic of of filmmaking is all in there. Yeah. So Nurse Fighter Boy. Amanda, what about you? I mean, if it wasn't Nurse Fighter Boy, if they say film number two, the next one to watch uh, from you would be Unarmed Versus. It's mm-hmm. just this beautifully quiet film that really shows the essence of uh, what and I'm taking this directly from him, what black life mattering looks like, you know, mm-hmm. and he has a 12 year old girl um, at the center of it and just shows her quiet everyday life as her community is being taken away from her. It is mm-hmm. so beautiful. It is so poetic. It's the kind of observational film that we often see white children at the center of our white protagonist at the center of, but he put this young black girl and portrayed this community in the most beautiful way. And it makes me cry every single time I watch it. Unarmed mm-hmm. versus. Motion, what about you? Um, I would say maybe dig a little to um, his shorts for 100 Musicians. Oh, yeah. um, you know, where he was, there's one where he's highlighting Planet Mars, this hidden space of the hip hop scene in Kensington Market and its role in, in hip hop in the city and in the country. Mm. So um, some of his, his short film works, I think, are definitely worth uh, digging into the crates for. Yeah. I, what I like at that moment, Motion, as you said, your recommendation, both Amanda and RT just had this giant smile on their faces, <laughs> which was really beautiful to see. Uh, Charles Officer was 48 years old when he died. There was so much more that he had left to give the world. Uh, Amanda, last word to you, if you don't mind. What to you was Charles Officer's greatest gift to the world? We've been saying it throughout this entire episode. I think it's the generosity the humanity that he brought to an industry in a world that can be so bereft of it, the care to the stories that were so frequently ignored or sidelined, loving hard and out loud. Um, and I think, you know, I rewatched Nurse Spider Boy the other day and I didn't realize how much it would be a comfort and a bomb in the midst of his loss. And there's a line in there that says, the people who love you never leave. And I hope that we mm. get to keep him forever. And he gave us so many gifts to be able to do that with too. Uh, I want to say thank you to Motion, to Amanda, to RT for the grace and the for the for the care and the generosity that you all brought to this remembrance. Thank you so much for your time and thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks, folks. Peace, everybody. Amanda Paris is an award-winning playwright and producer. She's also the host of the upcoming CBC series for The Culture. That starts January 30th. Look out for that. Motion is an award-winning screenwriter and MC, And RT is an award-winning director. Charles Officer died earlier this month. He was 48 years old. Right now, you can go and stream many of Charles Officer's films. They are all streaming on CBC Gem. That is it for the podcast today. Uh, On tomorrow's show, we're going to have a conversation that I've been meaning to have for a little while. I don't know if you've put on a movie lately and thought, you know, this is fine. Or noticed a song that's been trending and thought, yeah, this is just okay. 
pop culture is particularly mid right now. Nothing is that bad, but nothing is that good. And we've been meaning to talk about some of the interesting reasons behind this. Streaming has kind of changed the music that gets popular, the TV shows that get popular, and smushed everything into a totally serviceable middle. We're going to talk about how everything got so mid, who benefits from that, and also how we get out of it. My name is Alameen Abdul-Mahmoud. That is on tomorrow's show. I'll see you then. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.